it is a lot of pressure and it's a lot of hard work and it absolutely is not all glamorous. But there's a quote that was like 99% hard work, 1% glamour. Being able to keep the excitement for the 99% of hard work is really, I think, the key here. Welcome to Raw and Real. I'm Megan Casey Loftus. And I'm Samantha Jenkins. Working in the fashion industry can often seem materialistic and shallow. On Raw and Real, we shut down those stereotypes and dive into the discussions surrounding job opportunities, both creative and business within the fashion world. There are so many unknown aspects to the fashion industry and the entrepreneurial world that we will uncover through interviewing fashion industry leaders, serial entrepreneurs, and girls just like us. Hi guys, welcome back to Raw and Real. We are so excited to launch season two with today's guest, Andrew Gelwix. Born and raised in the Midwest, Andrew moved to New York after attending Butler University and launched his career in the fashion industry at GQ Magazine. Shortly thereafter, he took his talents to Teen Vogue, working in celebrity bookings. Recognizing his calling and capitalizing on his entrepreneurial spirit, Andrew Gelwix is now an author and fashion stylist with clientele in both LA and New York. His clients, such as Tommy Dorfman, Catherine O'Hara, Delilah Bell, Michael Douglas, Gigi Gorgeous, Barbie Ferreira, and many more, benefit from his extensive experiences in marketing and celebrity relations. His keen eye for style has been internationally recognized via publications such as WWD, InStyle, People, Forbes, and Good Morning America. Most recently, and available for pre-order now, is Andrew's first book, The Queer Advantage. You can read more about Andrew and the conversations with LGBTQ plus leaders on The Power of Identity, available October 2020. Andrew, thank you for speaking with us today. We are so excited to have you on Raw and Real. To start off, we want to dive into your career as a stylist. As you are the first stylist we've had on the show, could you explain what a stylist is and what this job entails? Thanks for having me, guys. This is so exciting. So I think there's a lot of sometimes misconceptions about, you know, the fashion industry in general, but I think especially what a stylist does. Um, In my role, I primarily work with celebrity talent and their personal dressing. So in that capacity, I work with talent for their public appearances. So if they have a red carpet or a press tour, or maybe they... Um, are going to be in performing in a concert, whatever it may be, where there's they're really in the spotlight. I'll work with the talent to really figure out what their fashion presence is and kind of their style and work with other designers to collaborate with them and dress them in the newest, most amazing pieces. Is there more than one type of stylist in the industry? Absolutely. So there's celebrity, there's editorial stylists that, you know, style your favorite magazine images. There's, camp, you know, edit, uh, advertising stylists that can do, you know, a campaign film where they do the wardrobe. There's really so many different sides of styling and you don't have to be exclusive to just one side. 
And could you walk us through your first experiences in the fashion industry and kind of how you ended up going into styling as we know it was your side hustle at first? Yeah, so I think my first work experience-wise in fashion was the summer after my fr- uh, summer after my freshman year of college when I interned at Hearst Magazines in New York. I went to college at Butler University in Indianapolis, and I was really set on trying to get to New York for this summer. And I got a really incredible offer at Hearst to work in their public relations department. So I was working with Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, all these really iconic, incredible fashion magazines. And while I was on the PR side, it was really interesting for me to get that, you know, first look at the world of fashion and media, entertainment, talent, and how they all really combine together. Um, and then throughout college, I continued to go back to New York and intern at Michael Kors and Starworks Group in a variety of different capacities. And then when I graduated, I went to GQ where I was a fashion assistant. So really just supporting the editors and the creative director on the different projects they were working on. And then while I switched over to Teen Vogue and was doing their celebrity booking, I was styling on the side, like you said, as like a side hustle. Uh, I really kind of missed the fashion side of it. And I simply just emailed modeling agents and photographers and said, hey, I'm Andrew. I'd love to collaborate with you. Do you have any models that need new images or just want to create something? And that's what I would do every weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday, I would style test shoots. And that was just kind of something I was doing for fun. Who was your first client? My first client was Larson Thompson. Oh, God, I think she may have been maybe 14, 14, 15, maybe 14. Uh, really young. Um, I think I actually just saw a photograph of the first time we met. and We both looked like infants. <laughs> um, well, she's also come a very long way, too. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the exciting thing is getting to meet these, you know, superstars when they're really young and grow with them and build them into, you know, I mean, Larson is a superstar now. And, you know, it's exciting to kind of be with them at that the precipice of their kind of career and journey. When you book a client for the first time, what is the method which you use to kind of get to know their style, see what they like, what they don't like? Do you do mood boards? Like we've, we've talked to different stylists that say like, they'll look through the closet or things like that. And, you know, it it probably is also a balance between your vision and their vision at the same time. So maybe working with that and making sure that the client is happy at the end of the day. Yeah, ultimately, I can't force somebody to wear something, you know, maybe sometimes as much as I would like to. Um, So it's really taking your client's style, their vision, their aesthetic, and you know, hopefully elevating it, maybe having them try new things. Um, You need, you want and really need your client to feel comfortable because 
at the end of the day, I mean, you, you can, you can always see if someone doesn't feel comfortable in what they're wearing, especially when they're standing in front of 50 photographers screaming their names, them feeling confident is so important. So usually I try to have a dialogue with them before I even start requesting garments to just get a sense of who they are, what their style is. Maybe if they want to experiment with something new, what their, you know, dream look would be. Um, Because it's, you know, it's personal getting to dress somebody So you need to have that conversation and really make sure you understand them before you start throwing all these options at them. Since it is a very vulnerable moment for someone right before the red carpet, like standing in the dressing room with you or at the fitting, has there ever been a moment where someone's like feeling pretty unsure and then they step onto the red carpet and you see either the photographer's reaction or how they light up in the room? That's really been like a rewarding look for you? Totally. You know, I always try to push clients to take risks and maybe try something that's, you know, a little bit out of their comfort zone or something that they've never done before. Um, You'd want them to go too far out of the comfort zone where they're, you know, really like not into it. But I think people, us too, like some people we like to try and maybe explore and push our boundaries a little bit. Um, But, you know, there's absolutely been times where you know, the client may be like, all right, like, let's try it. Let's, let's see how it goes. And then, you know, they see the reaction they get and they're like, okay, this was, this was it. This was the right move. I feel really good about this. And that's kind of the fun part to really get to build upon that. So with your clientele being both in LA and New York, what does your day-to-day look like on a normal day, you know, pre, pre COVID? What do you do when you wake up to at the very end of your day? The flexibility of my day-to-day is what I love so much about working in fashion, maybe specifically in styling, that every day can feel so different. So I love being able to wake up and maybe being on set all day or maybe having back-to-back fittings with clients. Um, But, you know, a lot of the job really is just sitting at your desk and you know, being in touch with designers and showrooms and um, the back, the people behind the scenes who are making all of these looks come together. Um, so it really can, it, it varies so much, which is exciting. But uh, ultimately, it's still just kind of being on the grind and really scouring the internet and showrooms and all the racks to find the best pieces for your clients. And that kind of ties in with our next question, which is what is essentially the favorite or your favorite part about your job and maybe the most difficult part about being a stylist as well? I think we, we kind of touched upon it. You know, my favorite part is really getting to have that relationship with a talent and build them up. Um, you know, so often I may you know, start working with someone or meet someone and instantly I kind of just see the vision and I, you know, see the potential and who they are and kind of the magic in them. And then um, it's the most exciting when you can kind of show that to the world and other people latch on and they're like, oh my God, now I see it, you know, there she is. But that also kind of ties in with the hardest part is getting other people to 
um, you know, hop on board the, the train and to really see your vision and to see the potential. Um, you know, there's so many incredibly talented people out there and there's a finite amount of, you know, show-stopping options and you got to make sure your clients are getting those. So getting the designers and the brands to really feel the passion for your client, that it's, it's tough. As a celebrity stylist, both your name and the celebrity's name is on Instagram. How do you handle criticism in the industry? You know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, I never really, I don't put somebody in something unless I really feel confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously, like we said, there's times when you take risks, but at the end of the day, no matter which stylist you are, which celebrity you are, you could be wearing the number one gown that every single person in the world wants. There will always be somebody who hates it, but there will always be somebody who loves it. So, you know, I, I really just try to tell that to myself is that you can never, you can never please everybody. Someone's always going to have something negative to say. So it's, to me, it's almost like a moot point to, you know, like, okay, you didn't like it. Like, all right. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. I think your optimism and the way you do interact with your clients and the people who come back to you for more opportunities to work with you speaks volumes. What skills do you think you have that make you so successful in your work? I mean, I think it's it's honestly about keeping that excitement. You know, I think about... Um, you know, the first time I was on set with a stylist and I was, and I saw that that was a career. I was like, wait, you make money by doing this? Like, (laughs) what? I mean, I was like, so confused, but so excited. Remember, I like texted my family in a group chat. I'm going to be a stylist. Like, this is like a career. Like, this is a thing. So I think it's, it's honestly about keeping that excitement. You know, when you're when it, you've been doing it for a few years and you know it, it is a lot of pressure and it's a lot of hard work and absolutely is not all glamorous you know i think i forgot who said it but there's a quote that was like 99 percent hard work one percent glamour and it's really so true so i think being able to keep the excitement for the 99 percent of hard work um is really i think the key here you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And it's, you know, if you, if you can still get up every morning and be excited about it, then you'll, you'll be fine. You know, I think that's, and that's one of the hardest things to do about whatever, whatever industry you're in, you know, yeah. Uh, But I think specifically fashion, um, it really cannot be stressed enough. If someone is interested in launching their styling career tomorrow, What is one piece of advice you have for them on where to start? My advice would be two part. One is just start. You know, I think a lot of people try to make excuses for why they can't do something. And that goes to my next piece of advice, which is do your homework. Just start gaining knowledge of what it is you're trying to enter. So if you want to be a stylist, learn who the other stylists are. Who are the key players? Who are the brands? Who are the designers? This is a huge landscape and you have to be knowledgeable about it. It's not enough to know, you know, Gucci, Dior, Chanel. 
Everybody knows those. Okay, so who are the next Gucci Dior's and Chanel's? Who are the emerging designers? Who are the emerging talent and stylists? And I think it ultimately, you just need to really just research and dig deep and mm -hmm. have a good understanding so that when you do get that, you know, response from a stylist or an HR and they ask you to come in for an interview or to try you out, that you are able to hit the ground running and you have that base knowledge that you're able to build upon. So we want to talk about your upcoming book. Congrats. This is so exciting. It comes out Thank October you. 13th, if I'm correct. Yeah. Called October The 13th. Queer Advantage. And we kind of, you know, want to get into what what motivated you to become an author? Because writing a book is not an easy task yeah. <laughs> by any means. Yeah. I have realized that, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I've always loved writing in, you know, I would write short stories all the time, you know, starting in like second grade. And then in college, I would write for the Huffington Post and Out Magazine and Harper's Bazaar, just like little essays or interviewing different people that I thought were interesting and kind of on the precipice of something. Um, but this really, it just was a passion project. Um, I didn't, you know, it was, a, the topic was very interesting to me. And it really came out of a curiosity of wanting to know if other people, you know, especially these people who are at the very top of their industries also found their queer identity to be really advantageous to them. Um, and it really just spiraled out from there and really just wanting to know and find out, is this, you know, is what I'm feeling felt by you? Is it larger than just me? Um, and then it, you know, grew into the book and I, I couldn't be more excited for it to come out and for people to read about these amazing leaders and their trailblazing stories. It was so inspiring. Yeah. This was over two years in the making. Yeah. And um, I'm just wondering, who are you hoping this will touch? And what do you hope that these readers um, take away from The Queer Advantage? I mean, I so often think about how much I would have loved this book. As someone who was always really focused on having a career, I was really nervous and afraid of how being gay would affect my career. You know, I think it, especially when I was growing up, there just wasn't as much, if any, dialogue about really successful professionals who happen to be queer. So I really hope that any, any young person who has that same fear can read this and really feel a source of comfort and inspiration, as well as parents and family of queer people to know that this is an amazing thing and that their queer friend, child, brother, sister has this amazing piece to them and to really embrace that. I'm so excited to read it. I we have it pre-ordered. Where can our <laughs> listeners pre-order The Queer Advantage? Oh, thank you. You know, it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart. You can do it from your local independent bookstores. There's a, on my Instagram, there's a link where you can find local stores to support them. 
Um, so really all over. Amazing. So in conclusion of this episode, we want to do like a speed round of questions for you. Oh so <laughs> <laughs> to start off, describe your style in three words. I'm going to say easy, comfortable, and simple. Who are your style icons? I would say it's kind of a love child between Larry David, Tilda Swinton, and <laughs> David Hockney. Amazing. One designer for the rest of your life, who would you be wearing? I'm going to go with Tom Brown. Mm, good one. And lastly, what is your first fashion memory? Definitely stealing my mom's Vanity Fair magazines and looking at all the glamorous actresses and their gowns and uh, just dreaming of being a part of that. Lastly, where can our listeners find your personal social medias? Super easy. I'm just Andrew Gelwix on all channels, Instagram, Twitter, dot com. And we're buying the Queer Advantage. (laughs) Yes, and the Queer Advantage. All the links are on my socials. And I'm super excited for everybody to read that and hear these amazing stories. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to talk with us. Of course. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. To keep up with what's happening on our podcast, follow Raw and Real NYC on Instagram. We post inspo and love showing you what's going on in our lives. Till next time, keep it real.